and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm here with Emily, and we have back Brian Tarba, AWS community hero, leader of the Boston meetup group, and superhero with Dolphin Blood. Brian, welcome back, sir. Thanks. It's uh, it's it's always great to uh, to be on your show and to 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 see you. And you know, I still might have a a few drops of that of the Dolphin Blood still circulating. I mean, I know enough science to know that's not true, but I, I can still pretend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I just published an episode and they were a fan of the show and they said that was one of their favorite episodes was hearing about your dolphin blood. So I will actually, I'll list your episode for those who haven't listened to the prior episode of how uh, interesting it was and your entire story with dolphins. I thought it was super cool. Right. Right. They told me I wasn't supposed to share needles, but you know, there you go. You know, stuff, stuff happens. <laughs> So you had an interesting uh, way of phrasing all things serverless and and conversations that you know we've all been having and different heroes have been having and I thought it was great uh, looking at the differences between pets and cattle. So why don't we kind of just jump into your thoughts around that? Okay, sure, sure. And uh, this this last reinvent it seemed like everything we be, before the reinvent. We said, so what do we think is going to happen? And a bunch of us said, yeah, everything's going to be serverless, whether it is or isn't. And so that and and that turned out to be the case. And then that, of course, generated the whole question of uh, if everything's serverless, does serverless mean anything anymore? And you know, it used to be that only lambdas were serverless, and now most of our databases are serverless. And there are still people who say, but there's servers underneath. It's like, yes, but that's not interesting. You're missing the point. So I tend to be a metaphor guy, and I have this this one of our founding metaphors in the field is this whole cattle versus pets thing, and it's been around for so long that I think we take it for granted. And when you do that with a metaphor, sometimes you can run too far with it, and so I think it's time to modify it. And so for anyone who doesn't know about it, then the 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 theory is cattle are things where you don't care about them if one cow dies oh well you get another cow and you know pets are we love them and we would do anything for them and that part is true obviously that we would and so the the hook back to software is that you know your dedicated ec2 instance it has all your special tweaks and that's a pet and you know theoretically something in an auto scaling group that's a cattle cuz you can get rid of it but i think the metaphor has problems and i think you I think we need to look at that. And some people might say, well, that's all lovely, Brian. What the heck does that have to do with serverless? We'll get there. So the first thing is that any whoever came up with this metaphor obviously never lived on a farm. And I've lived on a farm. And even if you have a lot of cattle, if one of them dies, that's still a big deal. You still need to figure out why. And by the same token, if you have an instance in an auto scaling group and it dies, you should figure out why because it might spread and they might all die. And we're not all big mega farmers where, oh, I've got one cattle out of 10,000, I don't care. You, sh you should care. So I want to extend the metaphor to include fast food. And again, people are like, okay, this guy has, his dolphin blood has gone to his head and he's gone, gone Looney Tunes. Um, I don't know, the cattle became a hamburger. It kind of works a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So so here, 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 here's my tie-in. Pets map, map to dedicated instances. Cattle 
maps to auto-scaling groups, and fast food maps to serverless. And so think about a burger that you're going to eat at, at, a, at a restaurant. The burger had a whole life cycle before it made it to your tray. It started off probably as a cattle, got turned into hamburger, chopped beef, got shipped to the restaurant, put on a grill, assembled, put on your tray. And it wasn't your burger until it hit the tray. And if you drop your burger, right, it's just a burger. And and even at some restaurants, if you dropped it on the floor before you got to your table, they might just make you another one. So it's it's, un, it's unclear. But it it had a whole life cycle before it became your burger. And so my analogy is that you know if you're running something under Aurora or Lambda or S3, and that's actually all you should do because I'm sorry. I, I like to call EC2 legacy at this point, which it just gives me such joy to call EC2 legacy. But if you're running any of these the things that the cool kids run, you don't have access to the resources until they're assigned to you. And even once it's assigned to you, you don't have any access. I mean, we know Lambdas are instances running in a container on some hardware, but you don't have access to any of that. It's just you, It's it's abstracted away. And if you're running EKS or ECS with Fargate, you have your container, but you have no access to the host instance. In fact, that's one of the fundamental things that Amazon promises that you don't have. The way I wanted, I, I'd love to get us to think about it is that you don't necessarily care about the individual, but you care about the collection. You know, So it's, it's the, the, the collection of, of, of instances and that caring turns into you should look, you know, monitoring, observability, troubleshooting, and all that. So you don't necessarily, it's it's different if an instant goes away, but you still need to monitor it and care about it from the point of view of a whole. So cattle isn't the end of this of the server serverless server spectrum. It's a midpoint. And I'm just I think I want people just to think about that when we think about serverless and then see where that takes us. And I take a breath. <laughs> so if we go back to basics, the whole idea of I turn on a light switch and it's there. I don't know whether the electricity was wind, solar, uh, if it was nuclear. I have no idea how the electricity came to my home. It wasn't my electricity, but suddenly it now lights up everything in my life. And I'm curious how that fits into the metaphor of thinking about cloud computing as a utility. Because I agree with you in that it's kind of separation of concerns, right? If I've invested in building something, in patching something, I love the analogy of a pet. I don't want to lose it because now I've lost time and time is my most precious resource. Right. And so the promise to me of cloud computing was always I get my time back. And so I just want to do this one thing. I don't care how it, it, it gets done. Just save me time. It's so interesting because it's I love semantics of words and I love I love language. And it's like, what can you do past even knowing a word? You can't really know a thing, right? But to me, serverless always speaks to cloud computing too. And there's so many things you could do in cloud computing. But I think when we're getting the serverless, we're talking about compute and storage, right? In in, mm -hmm. in these kind of instances. And I've always thought of compute and storage in those terms of utility saving me time. Right. And and so and it's funny, some people just sort of have, have given up on the notion of serverless, but but my new definition of serverless is a system is serverless to the degree, because it's all a spectrum, think we aren't black and white anymore. It's serverless to the degree that you don't have knowledge 
of the hardware running your your system, the hardware or, or the instance. Yep. So you know, I'm running I'm running a database, and you know, Aurora is scaling, you know, under me. But I do have some sense of uh, you know replicas and things, so I don't have to care except when I do and fail over and stuff. And so Aurora is definitely more serverless than a dedicated instance, but it's also less serverless than S3 because S3 is just raw. It's just out there. I love how you said spectrum because that's the law of polarity. All of it is the same thing. It's just different ends of the spectrum. And so maybe serverless is following the law of polarity too, right? Where it's how you look at things. What is the law of polarity? It's part of the hermetic principles, seven laws of the universe. And Sorry, I missed the mid mouth. It's all. We'll have to we'll, we'll talk about it offline before I take it into a different direction. But um, yeah, it's, you could think of it as yin and yang. Yin and yang is basically an instance of the universal law of polarity, right? Of opposites, but. Yeah, I, I love that. Everything is a spectrum. And things on the spectrum, love and hate are the same exact thing. They're just opposite sides on on the on the spectrum. Well, oh, nice. I, I was yeah. just going to say the, the hermetic principle is just one of the infinity stones that got cut from the final movie. So, Was there seven, was there seven infinity stones too? I didn't even I, think I, about I, that. I got to look at the infinity gauntlet now. Right, right. So it, I don't know. People got, people got, after reInvent, people got all wound up about is it serverless? Is it not serverless? Does it, you know, is it, has the term gone away? And I think it's just, I think we can still talk about it. It's still interesting to talk about it. It's still important to talk about it, but we just have to shift our, our, our metaphors. Cause I think all organizations have the, the fundamental underlying myth. And usually it's a myth, you know, and, and I think, I think uh, this cattle pets is part of the myth or the mythology mythos of our uh, of our field and it would be great for us to uh evolve that i think i'm waiting for em to jump in i'll, I'll continue here she's, just, she's straight no, up vibing I, today i, I, I and i'll cut all this out it's totally I'm chill you just keep vibing i will say one i'll say one other thing okay and this is just a chill episode so i think this is great so how we how should we start defining things like how would you approach this now brian maybe serverless was the promise of moving us away more and more from the actual infrastructure and the bare metal into more of conceptual compute and storage elements. And how do we refer to those things today? Is it compute that I manage and compute that I don't manage? Is that one way to kind of separate that out? Or is it in your mind, a word that now has served its purpose? And it's like saying, hey, we breathe air. It's just kind of the way that our lungs work. And maybe we don't really even need that uh, terminology anymore. So I just want to step back because I, you know, I'm I'm not an expert in this space at all, and I I think the whole pets versus cattle is such an interesting viewpoint. I don't think a rancher came up with it. To your point, I I don't think and no matter how many head you care you care when uh, a cow goes down for whatever reason, disease, bloat, whatever it is. I live in Colorado, representing my cowboys. Uh, some I I think the extension of this spectrum is important but i want to highlight that the sort of nodes of the spectrum i believe are care a lot on one hand don't care at all on the other end is that is that a correct way of putting it i guess i might say 
have to care a lot don't have to care at all. So I've never, I as far as I know, I've never had a Lambda fail. I mean, I've had millions and millions of executions of Lambdas. And yeah, I've had some time out. Some give the wrong answer, but I've never had one. As far as I know, I've never had one fail. I've had plenty of EC2 instances. I mean, I think we've all gotten that note of we have some special server, you know, the server that's running everything. And we get the note from Amazon saying, uh, hardware degradation detected on your instance. <laughs> okay, yeah. So there's a there's a level of control. There's sort of elements to this around carrying control and visibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Access. Okay, that makes sense. Having taken a few moments, Dave, to think about your question, so I think I think it's it's we were chatting a little bit about ChatGPT and how you know that's eating the bottom of the tree, and I remember going to a talk with Dave Tom, I think it was Dave Thomas, you know, and, and it just, there are folks here who don't know who Dave Thomas is, and that's just, you know, sort of appalling, but, you know, one of the, the, the ah, greats in our field. And he, he talked about how, because at the time people were all concerned about outsourcing, and he had this great picture of someone climbing a ladder up a tree and things disappearing out from under them. And it's like, yes, the simple jobs get automated and you should you know, continue to move up the, up the complexity scale. And to your question, Dave, have, have we moved to the point where to survive, it has to be architecture? I don't know. I, I think about tools like App, um, App Composer or Code Catalyst, where it's, it seems it's not quite Star Trek, you know, drag and drop, but it's getting there. But and and I wouldn't be surprised in ChatGPT if you if you couldn't say, "Hey, give me a Terraform file that's uh, API Gateway, a Lambda, and an underlying DB2 instances, and all the proper controls." If it can't do, I mean, after this, I'm going to go see if it, see what it will do for that. But I wouldn't be surprised if it couldn't do that now or soon. So where does that? leave us. I mean, I think I think it's it's the abstraction layer. Ah, ah, yes, yes. It's the abstraction layer. Where where is the interesting bit of a, the abstraction where we care? I mean, you could have built your own Lambda system ages ago, but you'd have to have built it yourself. But now you don't have to. But maybe we're getting to the point where you don't even have to do that. It's just, yeah, I want I want I want some compute. Make it happen. It used to be that there were probably people who made a fine living, you know, writing sort algorithms in Pascal or wrote a Java library. Well, those libraries have basically been written. Yeah. Um, for me, this is never about an extinction event. This is about repackaging and reprioritizing. I think when we when we get a bit hyperbolic around, you know, certain tech, maybe I'm being naive, but I'm not worried because the skill sets that we have are adaptable, are unique. And we can always utilize these tools because that's what they are, the tools to abstract what is boring and repetitive and annoying and really start pursuing the new problems and the, the interesting things that we need to solve next. So I completely agree. Right. And, and you even look at some of, some of Amazon's products. I mean, I don't recall the name of them, of this particular one. There's, there's some product that they have in, in, the, uh, in the security space where you don't set up routing tables and NATs and security groups, you just say, yo, I've got this thing over here and I've got this other thing over here, make them talk, you know? And it's like, you don't want 
you don't want any of the three of us um, editing route tables. That's that's <laughs> no, no, no. We're we're likely to get it wrong, and it's not the it's not the not the good use I used of to our. Do that, Brian. I used to work with a bunch of Cisco products doing WAN in my early career. Yep. Right. Right. But that wasn't recent. <laughs> no, that was back with uh, you know we still went to to work on uh, horses. I I want to say this. There's there's two things because I want to get back to the time thing. To me, when I hear serverless, everything words to me right they're representative of a thing. It's like the Buddhist law of emptiness. You can't know something past a word. We can know the word, but we can't know the thing. To me, what serverless means is I don't have to manage the resources myself. It's saving me time. So if I hear anything serverless, then what I can do is use the thing for whatever it's intended to do, and I don't have to tend that farm to get back to the the, the cattle, right? And I think as we move into this world of AI, to, to what uh, Emily was saying is, Anytime we've had a technical revolution, there's been a bifurcation of human beings. And I think that new bifurcation is going to be people who can use AI and people who can't. And it's going to be even worse than people who can use mobile phones and get technology and who don't. It used to be people who had access to the internet. And then it was who had access to you know, broadband and then who had access to a smartphone. And I think what it's going to be now is who understands how to interact with AI. Right, right. And when you talk about words, I have to I have to segue us to to Wittgenstein, as I'm sure you expected that I would. Um, Absolutely, that was the natural next step. Right, right, right. Well, my 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 undergraduate degree was in uh, linguistic philosophy, and um, uh, Wittgenstein, who was a wonderful wonderful philosopher, said, "You don't learn a word; you learn a game. It's the language game. You learn the rules of the game, but." An individual word by itself has has no meaning. That's truly profound. I'm I'm pondering what that's saying. In order to truly know a thing, you have to absorb the idea. So I'm absorbing that idea of words are not words in isolation. They're words in the context of language. Yeah. If someone came up to you and said fork with no context or no understanding of what a fork is, I mean the eating yeah. utensil, not the verb. But the you you have it means nothing. It's like a fork. What, what does it do? Right, right. Well, it's funny, and and, and I remember going to a game night some years ago, and uh, one of the people had a new game, and we didn't know the rules, and so she said, "Let me let's all sit down, and I will read you the rules." And I said, "Or how about we play around together, and we discover what works?" And my friend was so linear. She's like. But we couldn't do that without knowing all the rules. I'm like, no, no, no. We're going to learn the game and then we're going to, you know, it doesn't matter if you have to roll two doubles or three doubles to get out of jail and Monopoly. It's like, what yep. is the, the, this whole game yes. about? I think that, Brian, that board games, playing Dungeons and Dragons, like it speaks so much like you learn about human beings of where I was like, it's not about the rules. We can make whatever rules we want as long as we have fun together. And I was always like that. And then there were other people that are like, no, we follow every single rule to the end, even if it means nobody has fun. Right. That's, that's yeah, it's it just pointless. And I'll say Wittgenstein's other cool, th one of the really cool things with Wittgenstein was he said, Mo many philosophical issues are just uh, semantic disagreements. So, you know, he also had this wonderful book called On Certainty, in that he said, you know, what does certainty mean? And he said, 
I don't know if I've ever been in Belgium because I've been in Europe and I've a train might have gone through Belgium, but I know I've never been to the moon, you know, and and so that's that's a you know a different kind of uncertainty. I know I mentioned this because one of my friends at college, I went to his room and he uh, he had Wittgenstein has this book called Uncertainty, and my friend had two copies of the book in his bookshelf, and I said, "Does this make you more certain?" I, I, Brian, I love that because I feel like part of the semantics of things, in order to debate the things, do you truly know the thing that you're debating? And we largely perceive the world through our own minds. And so there's very middle, it's very hard to meet in the middle because everyone has their own perception of what, we're all NPCs in each other's lives for all the gamers out there, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, it's when people can see, can know a thing and can debate a thing and actually truly understand what each other means, it's incredibly powerful and so maybe that's some you know to bring it back to serverless serverless is what it is <laughs> serverless in means what it means to you fair enough yeah i mean i was talking to a client earlier today and i was and they were not they were pretty pretty new to the cloud and i was and they had lots of security concerns which was appropriate and i i said look i'm giving you a whole serverless design which means there's no attack surface you don't have to care about scaling because it just happens. You don't have to care about resiliency because that's Amazon's job and it just, you know, it just replaces. There's no patching, there's no upgrading. That's that's Amazon's job. So I said, so whole fleets of your concerns just go away. Yeah. Yeah. I think serverless could be it's 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 maybe it's peace of mind, you know. How nervous are you, you know, if it's two in the morning and your phone rings you know, are you more afraid that it's the police that aren't calling you about your kid or your coworker calling you about your service? <laughs> How do you think this sort of reframing of pets versus cattle to pets, cattle, and hamburgers, or cheeseburgers, if we're feeling saucy, how do how does that change folks' perception of this or, or kind of influence their work? That's a great question. And it's funny because some people thought this article that I wrote was really cool and some people got really agitated by it, really? which, which, you know, it's like, oh, you're missing the point. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. I think just, just anything that makes us question our, our shared mythos is, is good. Yes. You know, and trying to think, are there more things that Amazon could make serverless? It's like, eh, sure. But that's, but I think, I think we're actually about to do I think I think we're going to look back and say that this is one of those inflection points, and maybe because of chat, you know, some combination of chat and App Composer and Code Catalyst and Code Whisperer, you know, all these things that are making things easier. And does that mean that we take on harder stuff? Does it mean that we do a better job on some of the things that should work but don't work? You know, I want to say to some teams, not that anyone from Amazon might be listening, is Take take a take a pause, take take three months. Don't add any more features. Just make the stuff that you already have written. Make it work. You know. <laughs> I appreciate your time. I appreciate your ideas. I completely agree about having an engaging in dialogue on a shared mythos is super important. And so, what do developers expect in serverless? And then, you know, developers are different too. If I'm in mobile and web or if I'm using low code and no code and all of that is 
to me, what does that mean, right? What does that mean for serverless? But this is, and this is why I, 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 when there's a lot of buzzwords, it can be dangerous, right? Because everybody's got their their views on things. But I think it's important in that, and that's why when you mentioned this topic, Brian, one, it's always great just to have a casual conversation about things and have a fun episode. And two, I think it's great to kind of step back. We've been on this crazy serverless ride you know, for years now and say, where are we in the industry? Because I feel it. I don't know about you all. Like I feel this shift in the air with generative AI and cloud computing and just where we are now in 2023. It feels very, it can feel very scary or very exciting. And maybe it's a little bit of both at the same time, but we're on the precipice of, you know, in the way that we interact with technology and the way that we build technology is going to be quite different, I feel like, in the next seven years, you know? And so it's great to talk about these kind of things. Right. If it frees us up from the simple stuff, what do we do with that freed up time? So like I I read or- I played Diablo 4 all weekend. That's what I did with the freed up time. Cool. I mean, I I, I listened to uh, an NPR story the other day where they were talking about, you know, using AI to do more, you know, molecular drug analysis. And it's like, okay, that that that's cool, you know? But what are we doing? You know, if if I've got some customer that wants a, you know, a, a secure system. I mean, they used to say, you know, how many systems are just websites babysitting a database? Um and yes, it's it, I can use Terraform or CDK or whatever, but I still have to build, you know, the website and the React and the gateway and uh, and there's a certain level and and Part of me is like, well, I'm glad that's hard because that's my job. But there's a certain level where it's like, you know, um, make it so, you know, you know, make it so, and then and then go from there. And then if, if if I've got all that to start with, what more can I do? So I'll be curious to see what more we do when ChatGPT when it does all the simple stuff for us. Absolutely, it's ex- it's an exciting future, and I am I happen to be filled with hope and you know more of a optimist for this type of stuff. I feel like technology can solve it. While it introduces problems, it can solve a lot, a lot of problems too. And we'll be able to iterate on ideas a lot quicker. Imagine how fast like things like iterating on pancreatic cancer research is when you could be like, go run this test and build this thing and just go off and do it and working side by side and order with AI and human beings in order to find things. But it's the human being is driving the idea, you know? So I, I'm excited for it. Where, where can folks find you online for, for more info? I'm on LinkedIn. Also have a website, BrianTarbox.org. And and the one thing I'll say to your your question about moving faster is uh, Jeff Goldblum from the original Jurassic Park. Your scientists were so concerned with the, that they could do a thing that they didn't question whether they should. Yeah. So we will go really fast and do some really really cool things, and we will also very very quickly do some incredibly stupid things. People have. There, there are vast parts of the ocean that where algae doesn't grow, and they have discovered that if you dump iron oxide in there for some reason, that starts the whole food chain of algae and phytoplankton and so on. It's like, okay, but maybe there's a reason yeah. that it's not supposed to be there. It's um, cause and effect. It's another hermetic principle, cause and effect. Yeah. It's all connected. We always end here. It's all connected. <laughs> it is, Em. It's all connected. Battle <laughs> Galactica, man. It's it's, this has all happened before and will happen again. 
Exactly. Dave is the Tony Robbins of anything else. Like, <laughs> I don't have as fantastic teeth or as tall as as that man, but yeah, or, or his I try boy, to be positive. Like, just like a, such a powerful presence. It's, it's fascinating. Anyway, yes, Brian, Tony Robbins, not me. Go uh, <laughs> home. Brian, thank you for coming back on. It's wonderful to see you again. I appreciate it. Oh, it, this is this is my pleasure. This is this is a total gas. Thank you. 